This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 82 of the Catholic Foodie. More on the CNMC, and what was it that Lena was drinking? That's right, folks. Welcome to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and I am so glad that you're here. You know, we've got, uh, well, we've got some good stuff to talk about today. Matter of fact, this is really kind of a continuation of episode 81, because there was just so much about the CNMC that I want to share with you, and I, I just couldn't get to it in episode 81. So, what is on the menu today? Let me tell you, we are going to have, uh, I'm going to tell you about some dinners that I ate in Boston. We also have a reflection on a patron saint of cooking. We're going to talk about garlic, a cookbook review, and a recipe. All of this here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Lots of stuff here, lots of stuff here. I, I'm telling you what, I'm trying this new format out. I did pretty good last episode. If you uh, caught that, uh, actually, I finished up the <laughs> I finished up the uh, the episode in one hour, sixty minutes, but it was a little bit over. It was sixty minutes and thirty seconds. And for me, <laughs> I'm telling you, for me, that was a miracle, right? An absolute miracle. All right, uh, you know, we're following this format now of a meal, so we are Catholic, Catholic foodie, and we're going to open with a prayer. So this is our prayer before meals, and uh, we start in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And as a matter of fact, this is an ex, you know, you're, you're probably not eating right now. If you're like Shelly Kelly, you're probably in the kitchen cooking, because that's what she likes to do. She listens to the Catholic foodie when she's cooking in the kitchen, which is a pretty good thing. I think that's appropriate. Uh, but this is a, a prayer that I just want to share with you, uh, kind of tell you about it. It's not that I'm necessarily or that we're necessarily praying this prayer right now, uh, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you, and it may be something that you want to, uh, to use during the week, or perhaps, perhaps, um, it'll cause you to maybe think about things, especially where food meets faith. So uh, let's jump on in here. Father in heaven, you who feed us with finest wheat, we come to you and acknowledge your goodness and your providence, and we come to thank you. Thank you, Father, for all your gifts, all the gifts that you have given to us, for life, for your Son, Jesus, our Savior, for feeding us with your word, and we thank you, Father, for feeding our bodies. All good gifts come from you, Father, and we bless you who bless us so richly. Please bless us now and the food that we're about to enjoy. Help us to be mindful of your presence with us and to, re and to rejoice in the goodness of your love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's eat. <laughs> we're going to start, of course, with our aperitif. I don't really drink, you know. Of course you don't. I wouldn't either if I was drinking that. But you would have to be an idiot of elephantine proportions not to appreciate this 61 Chateau de la Tour. And you, Monsieur Linguini, are no idiot. <laughs> Let us toast your non-idiocy. Well, if you remember last episode, I talked to you about a new uh, a new website, a new blog that was started by uh, Sarah Vabulous. 
and it's called Catholic Drinky. This came from the uh, delightfully warped mind of Mac Barron. He, he came up with the, uh, the Catholic Drinky as opposed to the Catholic Foodie, and actually the idea stuck. I mean, they, people just liked it. It was a running joke all throughout the CNMC. And uh, Sarah, she loved it so much, she goes, I- I'm going to do that. She is an avid uh, beer, uh, I guess, connoisseur. I mean, she loves, uh, she loves beer, tries all kinds of different beers. And uh, she, this is perfect for her. This is like a, um, a beer review site. But it's not going to be just beer. It'll be other things, too. So uh, very appropriate. Anyway, she has invited me, the Catholic foodie, to be a guest, like a regular guest uh, blogger. I get to post things over there. And, you know, I've talked to you before about the Giacomo. That's Abita Amber. I mean, I'm sorry, not Abita Amber. Abita, Abita Brewing Company right here in my own backyard in Abita Springs, Louisiana, right down the road. Uh, they, they came out with a, an India Pale Ale. It's called Giacomo. And um, matter of fact, the, the website was just launched yesterday. So all this is brand new, but go over to catholicdrinky.com and check it out. I've got a cool picture there of the, uh, of the label of the Giacomo. It is probably the most beautiful wa- uh, beer label that I've ever seen. Really cool. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of the can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. You know, I love cookbooks. I do, I do, I do. I can't, I can't get enough of them. Now, of course, I don't go out and buy like everyone I see that I want. I put them on a list, believe it or not, but I don't go out and buy them all. I don't have that much money. Uh, anyway, uh, about a month ago or so, um, St. Anthony Messenger Press sent me a cookbook. This is a Catholic cookbook now, and I was, uh, I'm very impressed with it. It's called Saints at the Dinner Table by Amy Hyde, H-E-Y-D, Amy Hyde. And uh, it, it's, very, it's a paperback cookbook, uh, colorful, very colorful on the, the cover. Uh, got a picture. I'm assuming this is her right here on the cover of the book. Um, uh, very nice lady. And some, some fruit, or actually some, oh, red peppers. Oh, my goodness. Lemon and parsley and, and red, green, and orange bell peppers on the back. I love that picture. That's very nice. Uh, anyway, this is Saints at the Dinner Table, St. Anthony Messenger Press. And I want to talk to you about this today. You know, St. Anthony Messenger Press sent this to me, figuring that, uh, you know, as a Catholic foodie with an a internet radio show and, and a blog, that I would enjoy uh, taking a look at this and hopefully review this book. And they were right. I, I do like it very much, and I will review this for you. I just want to make a few comments. Uh, you know, in the very beginning, first of all, let me say this. I'm very picky. I don't know if you know that about me, but I'm very picky, especially when it comes to cookbooks, especially when it comes to Catholic cookbooks. Now, you know, I'm working on my own book right now, and I'll have to tell you more about that later. But my book is kind of grounded in Scripture, and that's, that's where I'm coming from when I'm talking about food and faith. I'm talking about Scripture and the sacraments. That, that's kind of where, that's my angle, right? That's where I come from. And I just see so much in the scriptures 
about, well, food and, and of course, faith. There's so much of a, of a connection there. And that's the kind of story that I want to tell. So most Catholic cookbooks, though, when you, uh, when you take a look at them, they're going to focus either on saints and saint feast days and maybe traditions around the saints as far as food goes or special meals, uh, or they'll focus on the liturgical seasons, which is good, right? And you have different traditions and different cultures uh, that, that, that are celebrated throughout the different liturgical seasons. That's, that's great stuff. Now, it's just not me. I, I like it. I I, I kind of like it. <laughs> Sometimes I look at it and think, this is too, um, what's the word? What's the word? It's kind of like, this is too, I don't want to say trite. It's not that. Maybe um, homely? I don't know. Bland? Maybe bland. I mean, I like learning about traditions, different traditions, different cultures. But there's just not, there's just something not there that I feel like should be there. And, and that's why typically I don't like these kind of books. So when I saw this, I was intrigued mainly because of the cover and because it's talking about saints at the dinner table, like my dinner table. It kind of gives a personal twist to things. And I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. Let me take a look at it. Well, I was extremely impressed. Um, Amy Hyde's approach is very different than any of the other saint books I've seen, saint cookbooks I've seen. And I really like the way she, do, she does this. This is, uh, is very, very cool. Matter of fact, in the very beginning of the book, she has, um, you know, the many ways to use this book. And she kind of goes through some different ideas, ways that you could use uh, this particular cookbook. And, you know, she talks about the family dinner, of course, which I guess is the standard. This is what you would, uh, what you would uh, think about the, the first, I guess, when you're using a cookbook, you want to cook something at home. And if you've got a family, you want to feed your family, right? The family dinner. She says, uh, if you like me, if, or if you're like me, you're always trying to find new and exciting ways to connect with your family. Here's just another way to open up the lines of communication and make some fun family memories. First, pick a saint from the book, then pick a day and a time that everyone can attend the meal. Um, or if you're especially ambitious, a time that everyone can help participate in making the meal. Now, you know, I've talked about this before. It's great. It's absolutely wonderful for families to be around the table dining together. It's actually, it's almost essential. And there's something sacred about that. But in addition to that, what an awesome thing to have the whole family in the kitchen cooking. Now, I know the old expression, too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Well, uh, when it comes to families, I think it's important. I think it's a good thing to have uh, the family in the kitchen together helping to prepare the meal. Now, I will confess to you that I don't do a good job of this. Because I get so into my cooking that I don't want anybody else in the way. And, and unfortunately, I don't, I rarely, I should say, I rarely invite my kids into the kitchen. And I, 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 I feel bad about that. I need to repent. I need to repent and believe the good news that I'm preaching, right? Uh, that this is a good way to build up family life. So that's one suggestion that she has. And she talks about at the end of each chapter uh, where she, she gives you a couple of recipes. She tells a story about the saint, kind of connects it, connects it to food, and then, um, which is great. You get to learn uh, more real personal kind of stuff about the saints and how she relates to these saints. Very, very personal. It's really good. And she'll give you a couple of recipes, maybe some traditions. And uh, she ends it up at the end of the chapter with 
topics for discussion, for conversation around the table, which I love. And, you know, Father Leo in his cookbook, Grace Before Meals, he does the same kind of thing. He gives, like, conversation starters. This is very important. I think this is uh, something that's really needed um, for, the, for the dinner table. A lot of families, especially as your kids start to enter the teenage years, you may have a hard time actually communicating or at least communicating at a, at a, at a, uh, a deep level. And not like really so deep, but just something that, that means something more than just, hey, how you doing? How you feeling? How was your day? Right. More than that. So uh, these are great conversation starters. And then she has a little prayer to that particular saint, which I thought was it's really good. It's kind of what I'm trying to do here on the show, doing these different prayers. Um, you know, and I, and I confess, I didn't rip this off from her now. I didn't see her prayers until after I had started writing my own. <laughs> okay. So she has a great idea, though, or I get, or I got, I had a great idea. I don't know which way you want to take that, but one way or the other, it's a great idea. All right. Uh, so what else? Okay, you got dinner with friends, and she calls this the Saint Club. I love this. This is so cool. Think about that, a Saint Club. That, that, that sounds awesome to me. You know, dinner clubs, which and this is what she writes, dinner clubs, which are much like book clubs, are a growing trend and are a popular and fun way for friends who love to entertain and exchange cooking tips to come together. If you're one of the many people who love to exchange recipes and gather with your friends on a regular basis, you can use this book like you would any other cookbook. But instead of using different cookbooks each month, everyone in the group can take turns hosting a saint at the dinner table, preparing the meal and leading the discussion about the chosen saint. Uh, you can do potluck versions where everyone can make take part in uh, preparing the meal, or you can host an entire meal yourself. Your group can determine how you would like to run the dinners. Isn't that awesome? That's a pretty cool idea. I like that. You know, we we've had uh, we have talked for years about doing a dinner a supper club. We call them supper clubs over here, and uh, it's just never happened. <laughs> we tried for a while. I think we we a couple of months in a row. A uh, big group of our friends, we were able to get together, but that did not last long. It just lasted a couple of months and then faded out. And I think part of the reason is because some of our friends just don't like to cook like we do. I mean, we, we love to cook. We love to entertain. And uh, not everybody's like that, you know. So it kind of fizzled out. Anyway, she says here, too, that, the, you know, there's there's uh, ways to find out more about the saints and She's got some good information in this book about the saints. So these are different ways that you can use this cookbook. And I love the way she has it set up. She gives you some of the basic information about the saint. You know, like maybe, maybe the saint is the patron of this, that, or the other. Like St. Joseph, the patron of carpenters, patron of a happy death, of workers, fathers, unborn children, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? Married people. That's cool. He's my patron. Awesome. Um, it's, you know, the feast day t- says the feast day and, uh, just really, really, uh, very neat, good. And I, I, I've said this already and I want to say it again. It's, it's real personal, you know, kind of to the point and personal. And, uh, she gives like, like on the, for the feast of St. Martha, which we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, patron saint of cooking, right. Or of cooks. One of them, I think St. Lawrence is also a patron saint of cooks. But here's St. Martha from the Gospels, you know, and she's got a quote here. Uh, Amy Hyde has a quote here from 
Luke's gospel where, you know, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things, right? There's only one thing necessary. Uh, she's got that quote in here. Then she kind of gives a reflection about that and, and, and applies it to her own life. I like that. Very, very well done, Amy. Very well done. Uh, then she's got, uh, let's see, she's got a, uh, a recipe here called uh, St. Martha's Give-Me-A-Break Meal, <laughs> which I, I guess is supposed to be kind of a simple thing, right? It's simple, simple meal, uh, very easy to prepare, and you kind of get a break from that. That's that's cool. Uh, she's got some helpful tips in here, too, different ways that you can save time when you're cooking. That's probably something that I need to, to, to read a lot, you know, except I, I like to spend time in the kitchen. Then she's got a, another one over here, uh, Mary's laid-back mixed greens with balsamic dressing. Doesn't that sound good? And, of course, this is Mary's laid-back because Mary was laid-back just hanging out listening to Jesus, right? Uh, questions for uh, discussion, right? Conversation starters. These are just uh, think about this. this is, here's a couple of, of samples here from St. Martha. Uh, can you think of times in your life when you feel like Martha? That's That's one of the questions. Um, what can you do to help find the joy in the thing you are doing when you really want to be doing something else? That's an excellent question. And I think it's uh, something that a lot of us struggle with. You know, we, we wind up having to do something we'd rather not do. And so we're missing an opportunity to meet God there. Instead, we're too busy worrying about something else that we would like to do. Um, what about what about reflecting on how Jesus kind of reprimanded Martha and and how she might have felt. And then what do you think about it, right? What do you think about it? And how would you have reacted if Jesus had uh, had um, said that to you? I don't, I don't know how I would feel. I wrote a blog post, by the way, about St. Martha's Feast Day. It's over at catholicfoodie.com. You can check it out. It's just a reflection uh, that I, that I wrote, something I thought about and, and wrote. Uh, you can go check that out. Let me know what you think about it, too. Uh, it's it's kind of a different take, I think, on St. Martha than what you find typically. That story, that story in particular, right, when Jesus kind of reprimands Martha. I don't see it as much as a reprimand as a, a reminder. Uh, basically, uh, Martha, just be who you are and, and know that I love you. Anyway, you can read more about that at catholicfoodie.com. Anyway, right here, the very end of this chapter, Amy Hyde gives us a meal prayer uh, for St. Martha, and it's called St. Martha's Meal Prayer. This is Psalm 23 for busy people. Now, this is not something that she wrote, not something that she came up. This is actually attributed to Toki Miyashina, Toki Miyashina, which I don't know. I don't know if that's Japanese or, uh, or what. But it's from the book of uh, famous prayers published by Eridmans. All right. Uh, the Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images of stillness, which restore my serenity. He leads me in the way of efficiency through calmness of mind, and his guidance is peace. Even though I have a great many things to accomplish each day, I will not fret, for his presence is here. His timelessness, his all-importance will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of activity by anointing my mind with his oils of tranquility. 
my cup of joyous energy overflows. Surely harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruits of my hours, and I shall walk in the pace of my Lord and dwell in his house forever. Wow, so that's Psalm 23 for busy people. And you know what? I probably need to read that every day because I tend to get so distracted that I feel like I'm jumping out of my skin, right? (laughs) Or jumping out of my mind. So uh, very good book. I really enjoy this. Saints at the Dinner Table by Amy Hyde. It's published by St. Anthony Messenger Press. And I will put a link to this book in the show notes. Just go over to catholicfoodie.com slash more dash CNMC. You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, we are now at the main course, and I want to talk to you a bit again about the CNMC. There's just so much I did not... Excuse me, there's just so much I did not get to yesterday. That's right, I'm recording this back-to-back. Can you believe it? I can't. Uh, Anyway, when I first came out the elevator... Uh, when, when I got to the hotel, I was I was I got lost. Okay, don't tell anybody, but I got lost on the way to the hotel. <laughs> Can't believe it, but it, I wanted to take the subway. Okay, I, I haven't been on a subway ever in my life. It's been a long time since I was on like a trolley or a tram or anything like that. I mean, I I do go to on the streetcar from time to time here in New Orleans, but I've never been in the subway. So anyway, I wanted to take the subway just for fun. And it ended up costing me about an hour over what it would have cost me had I taken a taxi. So anyway, uh, I got to the hotel, and I was hot, and I was sweaty, and I'm like, I just want to go upstairs to my room and take a shower and change. So that's what I did. And when I came back down, the elevator doors open. I walk out into the lobby, and what happens? I mean, instantly, there are SQPN, CNMC people right there. The McGahees were there, uh, Sean and Nancy and their daughter, they were right there. They saw me come out the elevator, and they're like, hey, it's the Catholic foodie. You know, so they come run over, and, and it's it's funny. It's like over time, even it's, even though it's online, I mean, we all get to know each other. So, you know, big hugs going around, and, you know, it's like we're all old pals. You know, it was the first time I got to meet them in person. I mean, I, I, I remember calling them up, calling Sean up, in the very beginning, as I was launching the Catholic Foodie, and I had some technical questions, and I, 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 I knew of Sean because, you know, his, his name, the duct tape guy, is around in the SQPN podcasting world. So I, I found his website and contacted him, and we talked uh, via Skype. And I had a bunch of technical questions about the website and the RSS feed and everything else, and he was so gracious to help me out there. And uh, we we talked about that. We reminded, or he reminded me about that this uh, this weekend. It was really kind of kind of neat to to see where everything has gone since what well, I guess about a year and a half ago. It, it was so good to meet the McGahees. I was very excited about that. And then right behind, him, oh, and that's when Sean gave me a 
Canada hat, a bright red Canada hat. So I had people at the greet, meet and greet saying, hey, I uh, didn't know you were from Canada. It's like, well, I'm not, but thank you so much to Sean for giving me this uh, this hat. So thanks again, Sean. I really enjoy it. And uh, my, my, my kids were even saying, hey, where'd you get that hat? So uh, very fun. Thank you so much. Now, right behind the McGahees were the Big Lees. I, I, you know, we've talked online, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff for a long time. Matter of fact, you know, they listen to the show and they've uh, they've given me feedback before and uh, very exciting. They love they love good food, too. And they've got a beautiful family. And it's just such a such a, a just wonderful. And so, um, you know, it turns out and they contacted me, I guess, maybe a month ago. It looks like they may be coming to New Orleans in the spring. So we're very excited. I'm very excited. I can't wait. I get to go and maybe uh, take them out and, and show them some really good places that I enjoy in New Orleans. And I got to meet them in person right there in the lobby shortly after arriving. It was just, it was so cool. I was so excited. I get to meet all these people. It was, uh, it was just so much fun. Now, the only lamentable thing, the only thing I really am upset about as far as the whole weekend, right, uh, the whole CNMC is that there just wasn't enough time to spend with everybody. I mean, I, you know, you, you see these people, it's the first time ever uh, for, for many of them. Some of them you haven't seen in a year. And, you know, it would be great just to spend time just hanging out. I mean, I don't know, just hanging out. Well, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot of time for that unless you planned ahead and actually arrived maybe a day early or you left a day later, something like that. But in, in essence, you really, there's not a whole lot of time. The meet and greet is Friday night, which is great as an opportunity for everybody to get together and to, to talk and, 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 and meet, maybe sometimes for the first time. Uh, and that's really great. But, you know, what about those people that you want to see and spend time with, but you already, you already know them? You know, or new people you meet and you just want to hang out with them. You run out of time because Saturday you're busy all day with the, um, you know, the, the CNMC proper. And Sunday with mass and, and they, you know, if they have any other activities or people are traveling, they're leaving. You know, it's just, um, it just, it doesn't seem like there's enough time to spend with all the people you want to spend time with. So that's the only lamentable thing. But that's just the way it worked out this year. So uh, I'm looking forward to another opportunity to see everybody. Matter of fact, you know, on Twitter, uh, you've got the hashtag CNMC, and there is so much conversation going on here post-CNMC. It's amazing. It's like the energy is still there. Everybody's still talking about the CNMC. They're still connecting. They're still, you know, just encouraging each other and sharing news and all kind of good stuff. So it's really awesome to see that. Now, <laughs> I, I just find this, I just get so tickled when I, when I think about this. Uh, but the CNMC is alive and well, and it seems to be growing, growing, growing. It's, it's not going to stop. But one of the things I said uh, a few days ago, and I tweeted this, is like, you know what we need? We need, we need a mid-year meetup, a tweet-up or meet-up or something like that, where we can get together, or at least, you know, several of us that live, I guess, and, you know, somewhat close, you, you know, several states away or whatever, but not, not necessarily across the world, right? Uh, that we organize something, get together, not that it's going to be a huge event that uh, the media would want to cover or that it's um, official in any way, like the CNMC is not, but it would just be some, a meetup, you know, just an informal meetup where 
all of the, the folks who are able to or who want to get together that were there at the CNMC, or maybe they couldn't make it to the CNMC and just caught it online on, on live.sqpn.com, whatever it may be. Part of the family, though, Catholic New Media, that we were able to get together and just hang out. And that would be another opportunity uh, to encourage each other and to, to just really spend time together instead of having to be so rushed. So that's an idea, and people have been talking about that. We have had some conversation about it. And, of course, you know, I don't know if you listen to Sirius Satellite Radio, but you have or Sirius XM. Uh, you've got uh, Greg and Jennifer Willits on uh, the radio there. they got their show, The Catholics Next Door. And then you have Lino Rulli, and Lino Rulli, the Catholic guy, his show comes on a little bit later after, after Greg and Jennifer. And, you know, they were all there at the CNMC. So it's really, really kind of funny. And I've been listening to the, the, the shows the last couple of days, and it's amazing how much time they've given to the CNMC. They've been talking about it. I mean, every, I think yesterday Greg and Jennifer were asking people to call in and, and give them suggestions as to where next year should be. And so you had suggestions about all over the world. Of course, we all know it really should be in New Orleans, right? We all know that. I mean, New Orleans is a great, fun, awesome place with food that just can't be beat. And, I mean, why not have it here? I mean, goodness gracious, the economy could use it. Uh, we have the whole oil spill thing, you know. Our seafood industry is uh, dramatically, has been dramatically impacted from the oil spill. Why not have it in New Orleans? I think it's a great idea. I, I came up with that idea, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but some people, Matt Warner had said something about Cancun, right? Why not, why not have it in the beach? It's an international event anyway. Why not go to the beach? Let's go to Cancun uh, or, or somewhere down in Florida. Who, who knows? But anyway, I don't know when that kind of decision is, is going to be made. I have no idea. Um, but it's exciting to, to, I don't know, kind of conjecture, right? Try to guess where could it be or even to have input and to share with them, hey, why not here? Why not there? So very exciting stuff. There was a special dinner. It was the, the sponsor dinner, just sort of a, a, a sign of gratitude, a thanksgiving for the sponsors and, and, and for their support of the CNMC. And as an affiliate, I was invited there. I was part of the part of the the dinner. There's a bunch of people there. A lot of sponsors and affiliates that were that were at the CNMC. So it was really good, big crowd. And I just I can't begin to tell you how much fun I had that night. That was Saturday night. It was such an awesome dinner. I mean, the place that we went to is called Kingfish Hall, and I have to tell you about this place. Uh, a couple of things that, that were on the menu, well, first of all, there was a cocktail hour or half hour uh, in, the, in the, it's upstairs, it was like an upstairs uh, level, and they had a part of that sectioned off and it was reserved for uh, this party. And there were several, several, several people, uh, lots of people uh, at, the, at the, the, the dinner. A lot of fun, let me see here, I'm trying to pull up and see what that, uh, that, that, that menu was. Uh, you know, you had a choice of different things, and I'll tell you what I got. I, you know, they had a, a a salad. It was like a um, a wedge, and I, I got it all right here. I'm just gonna pull this up. Hold on one second. Oh, here it is. It's it was a classic wedge, baby iceberg tomato red onion brown sugar bacon, and Maytag blue cheese dressing. It was really good. I I, I very much enjoyed that salad. Okay, um, there was, let's see, a couple of different dishes you could choose from. I chose what was called um, the Sexy Steak Fritz. 
Anyway, this was a wood-grilled skirt steak. Sexy fries is what they call them. And a red wine glaze. It was really good. It was really good. You know, skirt steak, uh, it, it can be very tender. And matter of fact, skirt steak is typically what they use for fajitas. And if you see it, it's, it's kind of um, a grain, right? It goes with a grain. It's kind of like an up and down uh, a grain there, natural grain to the meat. So it's very easy to, to slice. It's very easy to cut pieces. And that's why you can use it for fajitas. It's tender, first of all, very flavorful. Uh, also, though, it naturally has this, 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 uh, this grain to it. So uh, good steak. It was cooked to perfection. It was very tender, uh, on the, the inside and a little of that char on the, and not my wife, okay, you know, she wasn't in Boston, but like a char there from the grilling on the outside. Juicy and good, very good. But here's the thing. The thing I liked most about this dinner is that I got to sit at a table and share that dinner with Dane Faulkner and his wife, Mary Jo, and uh, their young son, who slept through part of the dinner. <laughs> uh, but that was the absolute best part of this dinner for me. You know, you might remember I had Dane on the show. I don't remember the episode. It was several uh, episodes back, a handful of episodes back. Because uh, Dane is uh, the, the producer of the Divine Office iPhone app, right? And also, not just the iPhone app, but they, they have a, a podcast that you can download from iTunes. And they also have the website, divineoffice.org, uh, where you have the written text of the Liturgy of the Hours, the entire Liturgy of the Hours, and the audio files that go with it. So they produce this, this it's an incredible ministry. You know, the, the official prayer of the church, the Liturgy of the Hours, and we have it right there accessible for free in podcast form and also right there on the website, divineoffice.org. That is a treasure. It's an absolute treasure. I love this. And I have, I have the iPhone app. Now, the iPhone app actually costs money because, well, I mean, it, you, you, gotta, you have to have people who are experts at developing these kind of things to develop an app like this. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful interface, very easy to use, very appealing to the eyes, very kind of intuitive. Um, it, it's, it's well worth the $14.95 it costs to get it, Okay. It's uh, $14.95 for the app, and I highly, highly recommend this app to to you, especially if you want to learn how to pray the Divine Office, the Liturgy of the Hours, or if you have been praying it already and want a, um, well, a really easy and, uh, and cool way of having it with you at all times. You know, I have the four-volume set of the Liturgy of the Hours. I had to have that as a seminarian. We prayed it every day morning, noon, and evening and night prayer. And I love that. And I love the books. There's just something about those books. I just really, really love them. It's kind of like having a Bible, you know. It's, it's good to have an actual book there, even though I also have the Bible on my iPhone. Uh, a couple of different versions. Anyway, um, what, what, the, thing, the thing with the, the books, though, for the Liturgy of the Hours, they're big. They're bulky. And I can't always just carry those around with me, but with my iPhone and that app, I now have the Liturgy of the Hours with me at all times. And not only do I have it with me at all times, I also have it not only in the printed format, but also in audio, which means that uh, at any time I can, I can play that audio file in the app 
and I'm praying along with someone else, the Liturgy of the Hours, the Divine Office. You see, it's the official prayer of the church, and so you have people across the world praying these prayers. So constantly, all day long, you have people in the world who are praying this particular, uh, the official prayer of the church, which is just, it's, it's the Psalms, the, the, the meat, the substance of this prayer is the, uh, or the Psalms. So you have, uh, you pray the Psalms with the church, you have readings from scripture for the office of readings. You have, uh, readings from the early church fathers, I mean, it is, it, you have the, the intentions of the church. So people around the world, you, you pray the Liturgy of the Hour, and you are joined together with people all over the world praying the same thing every day. Isn't that awesome? I think that's incredible. So you really enter into the church, the liturgical season, the liturgical prayer of the church, all of that through the, the Liturgy of the Hours, or are also called the Divine Office. And uh, Dane and his folks over there at divineoffice.org are providing a, an unbelievable service, an unbelievable, unbelievable ministry uh, to me and you. This is incredible. And it's one of those things where it kind of makes the world smaller, right? You kind of realize how small the world is and how united we are, what a true and real community we are in the church, in the body of Christ, because we're all uniformly praying together the same prayers. I can't tell you how much that means to me. I can't begin to tell you how that blows me away to think about that. So, Dane, thank you so much, uh, first of all, for producing the Divine Office uh, iPhone app and, and, and the podcast and uh, also the website, divineoffice.org. It's a, a true uh, treasure for us in the church. Uh, but I also want to say I thoroughly enjoyed our dinner Saturday night. It was so, it was just so great to be with y'all. It was the first time I'd met you in person. Of course, you and I had talked uh, a number of times via email and also on the telephone. And it was the first time I met Mary Jo. So that was, she, she is just so like excited. She's just, just so full of joy. And uh, it was just a delight to be with y'all and have that opportunity to converse. And we talked about all kind of stuff. We did. We talked about the Catholic foodie a bit. We talked about the divine office a bit. We talked about web development and and all that fun stuff. And uh, you know, it's funny, Dane. Man, he he knows. He just he he's wise. <laughs> he's wise, but he also has this really um, um, very like focused, like laser focused knowledge of web development. And he gave me a lot of good advice. He has some great great ideas. And one of those ideas in particular has to do with the Catholic foodie. And it's something that I'm going to announce to you uh, in the coming weeks, maybe in the next week or two. It's a new, a new project. I will give you a hint. It does have something to do with the, the, the Catholic foodie book that I am working on. Okay. I'm going to leave it at that, but very exciting. I think you're going to really love this. And it was Dane's idea. So I'm very, very happy, very thankful uh, to Dane for sharing that idea with me. But he had lots of good ideas. So um, I want to encourage you, if you have any inclination at all to pray or learn how to pray, if you're not doing so already, or to, or to grow in your prayer with the church, you know, with the body of Christ, the official prayer of the church, go over to divineoffice.org.org and, uh, and check out what they're doing over there. You can find out more information about the iPhone app. If you don't have an iPhone, hey, that's fine. Uh, if you have an iPod Touch, it works on that. If you don't have that, you can look right there on the website. It's right there. Uh, you can listen to the, the audio right there online and follow along with the written text. Or if you have an iPod, uh, well, 
If you don't have an iPod or you have some other MP3 player, you can always download the podcast and listen to them while you're driving or um, whatever you may be doing, cleaning the dishes, whatever you're doing at home. That's what I have discovered. I'm, I'm so busy, and it's unfortunate. I mean, ideally, I would be sitting down in a nice comfy chair and praying in peace. But oftentimes, that just doesn't happen. So if I had to decide between not praying at all or praying as I can, the best I can, on the go, well, obviously, I want to pray on the go. And that's what the Divine Office app has helped me to do. I'm able to pray while, I am, uh, while I'm traveling, if I'm driving. I'm able to pray if I've got other things I've got to get done uh, in the house, which may not necessitate my full mental attention, right? Like cleaning the kitchen, for instance, or cooking. And so I can, uh, I can listen and pray along with them uh, at the same time. So I also want to tell you which episode you can find the Divine Office uh, interview, my interview with Dane and his team there. And I'm going to pull that up right now and see. I can tell you what, uh, what episode that was. That was episode 73 of The Catholic Foodie. And of course, you can always go over to catholicfoodie.com and I will give you the exact URL address where you can find more information on this interview and that particular episode. And uh, you can go to catholicfoodie.com slash divine-office. So catholicfoodie.com slash divine-office. Go check it out. Oh, you gotta taste this! This is oh, it's got this kind of it's burning, melty. It's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain oh, it, it's kind of like a you know, it's got like this boom zap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightningy. Yeah, it's lightningy. Oh, we gotta do that again. Okay, when the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs: saffron. A little saffron would make this saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen? Well, speaking of in the kitchen, uh, I promised you a recipe this episode, and this is going to be another recipe cooking with beer. Last episode, I gave you a recipe for uh, arroz con pollo, and I don't know if you had a chance to uh, to try that one out, but it was arroz con pollo with abita golden, made with abita golden. And we have another one here made with abita beer. This is the abita amber beer jerk chicken. So it's jerk chicken made with abita amber beer. And abita amber is probably one of the most prevalent, most popular abita brews available. And as I mentioned before, it may be available right there in your neck of the woods because they do have uh, abita beer in, in 48 states, right, in the continental United States. So just go check out your grocery store or where, wherever you normally go to buy beer and see if they have abita. Good stuff. All right, this is actually a recipe that comes from Chef Michael uh, Sitchell. And uh, used to be, he used to be a chef on Seven on Fulton. That's a restaurant in New Orleans. Now, this is a spicy dish, okay? It's a jerk chicken. Here's the ingredients. Uh, you have a medium onion chopped, a clove of garlic chopped. I would probably put two or three in there myself. Uh, you have a piece of fresh ginger root, maybe a two-inch long piece of fresh Ginger root, uh, peeled and chopped. One bunch of green onions, uh, chopped. A bunch of thyme, chopped. 
two scotch bonnet or habanero peppers seeded and chopped. And we use the habaneros. Those, my friends, are very hot. Okay, I'm just telling you that right now. Very hot. If you haven't seen the video yet, you can go to catholicfoodie.com or go to Facebook over at facebook.com slash catholicfoodie, and you can see a post, a video that I posted there of my son, Christopher. It's his birthday today. So happy birthday to him. He's 11 years old. Uh, It's a video of him eating habanero peppers. He ate two of them, and I had to catch it on video. It was so funny. And, of course, you know, he's fearless, so he takes his first bite, actually puts the whole pepper in his mouth, and um, starts chewing, and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, he gets this look on his face. <laughs> you know, that uh, famous deer in the headlights kind of thing? Very, very funny. So I have it all on, on video. You can check that out. If and That's only if you want to laugh, okay? If you want to laugh, you want to have a good time, go check out that video and make a comment. Let me know what you think. You can comment right there at, at facebook.com slash catholicfoodie or over at catholicfoodie.com. Okay, so the habaneros seeded and chopped three teaspoons of Tony Sacheries or another Creole seasoning. We also have Conrico here in this house. We use Conrico a lot. You know, they have one. It's a Cajun seasoning. It's called Slap Your Mama. So I don't know if you want to get any Slap Your Mama, but uh, maybe Google that and see if you can come up with something. Uh, a tablespoon of salt, a teaspoon of cayenne pepper, uh, two fryer chickens, about three pounds each, cut into serving pieces. So once again, you're talking about, just like ep- uh, last episode, taking whole chickens and cutting them up into eight pieces. Or you can just buy the pieces, you know, bone. You, you want the bone, okay? Uh, keep keep the, Don't get boneless. Uh, but you can buy it already cut up in the store. So whatever you prefer. I cut my own the other day, but uh, if you want to buy it cut already, that's fine. That's fine, too. And then you need one 12-ounce bottle of Abita Amber. Here are the directions. It says combine the onion, garlic, ginger, green onions, thyme, uh, the habaneros, Creole seasoning, salt, cayenne, and a food processor and puree the mixture until smooth. You're going to find this to be a very, very difficult recipe. Actually, I'm just kidding. Uh, Then what you do is you rub the marinade mixture evenly over the chicken pieces. And I highly, highly, highly recommend that you wear... Uh, rubber gloves to do this, right? Like those kitchen uh, uh, rubber gloves because you don't, you, you don't want the habaneros all over your hands, okay? You, the, the juice from those um, or the oils from the habaneros will burn your fingers. So uh, preferably with gloves, you rub the marinade evenly over the chicken pieces and you place them in a large resealable plastic bag. You refrigerate for at least eight hours, turning the bag occasionally to distribute the marinade. Okay. Uh, after fi- about 15 minutes before cooking time, preheat the oven to 350. Remove the chicken pieces from the bag and arrange in a large baking pan. Discard any marinade remaining in the bag and bake the chicken in 350-degree oven, splashing with beer every 15 minutes until cooked through about one hour. Serve warm. Now, here's a couple of things. First of all, I can do a lot of stupid stuff in the kitchen. And I thought it would be a good idea to actually grill this chicken instead of baking it. And I should not have done that. Um, You know, and my wife will attest to this. I can grill a lot of things and grill them well, but chicken is not one of them. I don't know what it is, if it's a mental block. I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, I got something wrong with the wiring in my brain. I have no idea, but I tend to either burn it to death or... Uh, have the outside kind of nice and charred and yummy, at least for me, yummy. Um, 
and the inside is still raw. So <laughs> chicken is not necessarily my forte on the grill, unless it's that uh, drunken chicken where you, you know, our beer can chicken, they refer to it as well. Because you can stick that on the grill, uh, turn turn the uh, the heat up to about medium and just let that thing cook for an hour. And no matter what you do, it's going to be done and it's going to be juicy. So I can do that. But as far as grilling chicken any other way, I think I need to call somebody else to come and do that for me. Or maybe Charles will do it. So I would recommend personally, if I do this again, I will do it in the oven and I will bake it. Uh, secondly, notice that you don't put any beer in the marinade. All you're doing is splashing the chicken with the beer as it cooks. Very good. I mean, it was a really good flavor. It came out uh, uh, really kind of charred on the outside and raw on the inside. Very upsetting. Um, But the flavor was great. It tasted great. So here you go. This is a Beta Amber Beer Jerk Chicken. If you do try this out, please let me know. Go over to catholicfoodie.com on this particular post, which is catholicfoodie.com slash more dash cnmc and leave a comment i want to know or even better call me 985-635-4974 now before we move on because we're running out of time here we're going to wrap the show up in just a minute i kind of teased you last episode and also in the beginning of this one about you know what did lino drink okay i gotta just set this up for you you know lino talked about this the other day on his show greg and jennifer talked about it on their show but uh, ended up, we had a group of us who went out after dinner on Saturday night. And it was really, it was just a bunch of guys. Uh, and then Sarah uh, Vabula, she, she joined us too. Remember the Catholic drinky, the one who enjoys beer a whole lot? Anyway, we had a ball. Went to a, a little pub, little Boston kind of pub right there. And, and we closed it down. We were there until 2 o'clock in the morning. It was pretty crazy. You know, it's a good thing. Good thing we're in Boston. If we'd been in New Orleans, we'd still be there because they don't close. Uh, But it closed down at 2 o'clock, and, you know, I I was kind of scandalized a bit, and I never said anything to Lino about this, but I'm going to tell you, just don't let it get back to him, okay? Uh, Just keep this between me and you. Um, Lino was drinking Coors Light. Can you believe that? Coors Light. I mean, Coors Light. Golly. That's a commercial standard commercial uh, 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 beer. And, I mean, I hate to even call it beer, and you probably know that I feel this way if you've listened to the show for very long. Uh, these these domestic, uh, standard, kind of uh, uh, commercialized beers, like your Buds and your Millers and your Coors and all of that, I have no, no uh, nice things to say about them. I'm sorry if you like them. I, I apologize. I'm, I, you know... I just, they're made with rice. You know what I'm saying? Rice. Who, who makes beer out of rice? But you, you've got all these great craft beers all across the nation, and you've got these just awesome import beers, some of them who have like really, really uh, Catholic and ancient uh, histories. They've been around for a long time, and a lot of them coming from uh, monasteries, or at least the recipes coming from monasteries. So we have this great tradition, and yet, so many people today just have their cores light. So as the Catholic guy, right, Lino Rulli, the Catholic guy, figured he would have had something decent and not just like cores light. Come on. Goodness gracious. So uh, matter of fact, I got upset because I was drinking that Brick brick House. I can't remember the name of it because it's local. They don't, apparently they don't bottle that and ship it all over the country. 
It's just something available right there in Boston. Uh, but whatever that beer was, it was really good. I enjoyed it. I was drinking that, but the bartender gave me a, goodness, he gave me a Coors Light pint glass. I mean, it had Coors Light on the end, on the, on the outside of it, written on the outside. I was like, oh, man, I don't want anybody to see this. It's terrible. So anyway, that's just my two cents. I want to let you know. <laughs> just want to let you know about that. Lino, come on. So uh, next time, next time that we go out, um, I've, I've determined that we're going to have to uh, introduce Lino to some really good beer. What do you think? Good idea? Matter of fact, why don't you give me a call, 95-635-4974, and tell me which beer you think we should introduce Lino to. 95-635-4974. And I'm Ree. And, and this, this is Mary in the, in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> Most Sundays, I try to use my good china. It's actually from England, and boy, is it pretty. It's delicately patterned in green and white, and every time I set it on my table, I think of big family dinners from my childhood at my grandma's house. It's funny how different these dishes are than anything else I own in my kitchen. Though they are without a doubt beautiful, they are also tough. They've been around for nearly 100 years as far as I can figure, and maybe longer. That makes them as old, or older, than my farmhouse. I have to wonder if the original inhabitants of this old house had fancy dishes that they used on special occasions. I don't save mine just for special occasions. As I said before, I try to use them every single Sunday. Not only in honor of God, but also because that's one of the few days when any work we've done has been optional or relaxing. It's a reminder, on the table, underneath whatever we're eating, that we can bask in the ordinary just as much as we do during those times of the year when the house and the pantry are overflowing. I'm not much of a cook, as you all know by now, so I don't often host those big family gatherings. I suppose the day is coming soon when I will be the hostess, and those dishes will spark the memory of some other person, perhaps one of my children. Will they remember sitting at my long plank table? laughing about the Jack Russell Terrier's latest critter kill and eating hamburgers hot off the grill? My grandma takes special delight in my frequent use of the green and white china. I see the cracks in them from where someone tried to put them in a dishwasher and someone else tried some other experiment. It might have been a microwave. And I can't help but think of the things I used to stash away in my grandma's china cupboard the one that now stands sentry in my kitchen. I still stash things in it, like my favorite rosaries and my prayer books. It has some treasures from another grandma, and it also has dishes a great-grandfather brought back years ago from Japan. I think it's good to have special things in our kitchens, things that are lovely and seem to have no practical use. That green and white china of mine isn't exactly as useful as my daily blue and white fare, unless I need to plate up 16 meals, that is. But when we use it, 
and if and when we chip it, crack it, or break it, I'll remember that it is in beauty that we find God, that in the seeking for truth that I found myself here, holding hands with the Heavenly Mother and stumbling around an old farmhouse after a wonderful family. Thank you so much, Sarah. That's uh, that's one. You know, we have actually used our china quite a bit, um, not not as often as we should have, uh, but my in-laws, you know, they they have uh, this nice silverware, and it's really they use it as their everyday wear. It's like why 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 save it? Why wait around and 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 save that and never use it? Uh, so it's really really cool, really neat. I advocate that. And uh, you're right. I mean, it's good to have beautiful things in our kitchens, some of which, hey, you know, there's no real practical purpose. Uh, That's kind of what life is about. That's what beauty is about. Beauty isn't always practical. Beauty isn't always utilitarian. Uh, It's just beautiful. So thank you very much, Sarah. As a matter of fact, we're going to hear from Sarah again right now. She called in and left some feedback uh, yesterday, and I'd like to play that for you right now. Hey, Jeff, this is Sarah Reinhard, and I was calling in because I couldn't resist not calling in to congratulate you on the new format for the show. I love it. And though I can't remember what that first course is called, the one with the screen, I'm sure I'll learn it over time, and it'll you'll stand as the person who's taught me the most about cooking and food of anybody, because you taught me a French word in any event. I just want to let you know... Cabernet Sauvignon is my favorite kind of wine, too. So I really appreciated your recommendations, and I wanted to set you straight. It's been a few years since you've been in college in Ohio. We buy our wine in a grocery store, too. Wanted to say it's not just in Louisiana. We do not, however, let people drink and have containers of open alcohol. It's very frowned upon up here in the Buckeye State. Um, I couldn't believe that when I was down in New Orleans and heard about that, like, just casually, like, you open a can of beer and you just drive, like it's pop or soda or whatever it is y'all call that. Anyway, thanks for the show, Jack. Keep up the great work. God bless. Thank you very much, Sarah, for calling in, and thank you for setting me straight. You know, I forgot about that. You're right. But I, somehow, I can't remember where it was. I just remember having to go to the ABC uh, store, a special store to get uh, alcohol. I can't remember now what uh, I got. I thought it was Ohio. I guess I was wrong. But you know, since you called and set me straight, I gotta set you straight too. Uh, you know, down here when you go to the drive-in daiquiri, drive-through daiquiri places, you know, it's not technically an open container. They call it. Uh, it's a styrofoam cup, but it's got a plastic lid on it. So if you uh, you stick a straw on that thing or you take that lid off, then technically you are breaking the law. That is an open container, and that is illegal. So you can't do that. Uh, but you can drive from uh, the daiquiri shop to wherever you're going, your destination, as long as that top is kept on and uh, no straw is in there. So just want to let you know that. Also, uh, about people popping beer cans open while they're driving, that is against the law down here too. <laughs> you know, it may not have been a while back, because uh, Louisiana's got a very uh, a colorful past, but uh, it is against the law. No open containers. Uh, no open containers. Now, you can have an open container on the street. Like, if you're walking through the French Quarter, for instance, you are certainly able to 
uh, drink and to carry open containers uh, all all around there. Now, in some smaller uh, towns and in, in, in smaller cities like Covington, downtown Covington, uh, you can't do that. That's against the law, unless it's a special occasion, in which case those laws are suspended, like a huge block party, which we have once a month, and you've got people all over the streets. Streets are closed. In that case, they do allow open containers. But other than that, it's, it's against the law. So thank you again, Sarah, for calling in. I really appreciate that. All right, we're going to wrap up the show here today, folks. I'm so glad you spent this time with me. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, and you can find me over at CatholicFoodie.com. On Facebook, we are at Catholic, or actually at Facebook.com slash Catholic Foodie. Whatever it is that's on your mind about food and faith, give me a call, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. Of course, you can always email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And here is our foodie quote of the week. Wherever the Catholic sun doth shine, there's always laughter and good red wine. At least I've always found it so. Benedicimus Domino. That's Hilary Belloc. So thank you so much, Mr. Belloc, for that. And uh, you know what? Until next time, bon appétit. I'm Julia Child. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.